Hey, true crime friends, I'm Danny. And I'm Brenna. And, and this, this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listeners' discretion is advised. Hey, Brenna, welcome back. Today we have our first case suggestion we'll be covering. I know, I'm so excited. Yes, we love to hear from our fans and it means so much when we receive your feedback, your case suggestions, and just to know we have an audience that's supporting us, it means more than you guys think. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. And with that, let's get into today's episode. Okay, Brenna, what would you do if a decision you made when you were uh, 16 affected the rest of your life well I made some pretty dumb decisions <laughs> when I was 16 so uh it wouldn't be good yeah thinking about it gives me goosebumps because yeah, like just I not a, a different person <laughs> yeah like different person different perspective different world yeah well sadly this is the case for Bobby Bostick a decision to go with an 18 year old friend would change everything he thought he knew at 16 Now let's start with Bobby's background, as I feel it plays a large role in why we're talking about this case today. Bobby Bostick was born on a chilly night, January 5th, 1979. He grew up in an underprivileged neighborhood in St. Louis, Missouri. He would state in some of his writings that carjackings and drive-by shootings were nothing out of the ordinary where he grew up. His mother was a loving and kind-hearted woman who wanted to give more than she had, although they were poor themselves. Bobby was one of four, and his older sister and brother were born to a different dad. When they were growing up, Bobby's dad was not around much, or really at all. He was quoted in the BBC article saying, quote, We didn't have many role models growing up. I was free to roam the streets, end quote. This, unfortunately, would lead Bobby down a slippery slope fast. I was actually looking up St. Louis properties because they have a lot of historic homes, and it is still one of the most dangerous cities. So when you said you know, St. Louis, you know, back in the 80s, it's still, unfortunately, it's very much like that. Yeah, it's really sad. One of his writings, he was talking about how his mom had a garden, and she would work on the garden, and people would walk by like, why are you crazy working on this garden, woman? And like, she stayed at it. She kept with it. She was like, I'm not listening to you guys and all the critics. Why? Because they didn't think it was worth it? Well, they would say, why are you building this garden in your home in the ghetto where cars are being jacked, drive-by shootings are happening? Mm. And she kept at it, and she ended up having this garden that was full of fruits and vegetables. And then all of a sudden, the same neighbors came knocking on her door asking for fruits like, and vegetables hey, can I? and she was always willing uh, but that's just kind of the woman she was but yeah no it's it's really when I was reading that writing of his I was like wow it kind of set you back like that's definitely not something I would ever think about and I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to say that but that's not the case for everybody yeah by age 10 Bobby started experimenting with cigarettes and drinking with some of the older kids in the neighborhood At age 12, he started smoking weed. And by age 13, he was dabbling in other illegal drugs, such as PCP, while he started his criminal career of stealing cars. Bobby was clearly lashing out and spiraling fast. Wow, that is, I mean, it is shocking at such a young age, but also I can kind of see that happening in this kind of situation. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Exactly. And it kind of plays to the role of 
the older kids are doing it and I feel like that's so unfortunate for so many young kids to just see someone else doing something whether that's illegal behavior or criminal activity or things like that and they start doing it even younger like 10 years old started smoking cigarettes and drinking like oh oh my goodness that's so so young and then starting illegal drugs by the age of 13 like yeah well and then that just makes things worse and then you actually need those illegal drugs to self-medicate and then it's just a mm -hmm. spiral from there yeah for sure by age 16 his criminal career would get him into trouble for the very last time one decision changed how he saw the world to this day. On December 12, 1995, Bobby was at an acquaintance house smoking weed and drinking. And it's noted that his favorite thing to drink back then was gin. Wow. I know. Classy. That is very classy. <laughs> that is very classy. But gin got me in some trouble back in the days. So I don't, I don't I mess with that. I can't even do gin. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me. When a female friend came over to get the pair, Bobby and his friend, Donald Hudson, she told them how the other guy from the neighborhood had hit her and she needed their help. Out to face the conflict, Bobby grabbed his gun for protection. Although the argument got heated, not a fight or a shot was fired that evening. When they were finished, they went back to the house to go smoke again, and then they got an idea that would start the night of crimes. Bobby and his friend Donald were walking through their neighborhood when they spotted some unfamiliar faces who hit up some local shops to do some Christmas shopping for the needy. With one look at each other, Bobby and Donald pulled out their gun and approached the car. The group put up a fight for the two men, but one of the men who did not give Bobby the money he asked for, Bobby shot him. This would not be a fatal wound as it would graze him, but they quickly started to comply afterwards. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Do you know where the guy was shot? Or I'm assuming it's a guy. Um, I think it was, it just grazed his arm, um, but it was enough for them to be like, okay, let's just give them what they need and kind of call it a day. Um, it was when they first approached the guy that they shot, they actually grabbed his girlfriend first and that's why he was screaming at them and yelling and then mm. that's why they approached him. And then he got grazed by the bullet and then everyone just started to comply with what they were asking them to do and just kind of fell in order. After the first attack, the boys went back to the house to smoke again, but they were not expecting that they would not be let back in or able to stay. This is when the next attack would begin. They spotted a woman taking a box to her car. Once again, they pulled out their guns and forced her to get in the back of the car. They started to drive off after they stole a few items from her and left her in the alleyway. Not even an hour later, the two were arrested. They were tried separately as Bobby was a minor at the time and Donald was considered an adult because he was 18. Donald would take a plea deal and be sentenced to 30 years. Although Donald was eligible for parole back in 2019, he actually died while in custody in 2018. Bobby was offered two plea deals during the trial. His first one was a life sentence, 30 years, with a chance of parole. The second was a mercy court deal. Bryn, do you know what that is? No, I was just about to ask you. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, interestingly enough, with all my true crime knowledge, you know, I'm an expert. <laughs> yeah. I had never heard of this either, but this plea deal is actually where you plead guilty, but allow the judge to decide your sentence. Oh, okay. So I have heard of that before, but I didn't know that was what it was called. Yeah. Once I knew it was like, ding, ding, ding. I knew yeah. this, but it was just one of those things that it didn't immediately click for me for sure. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I do have a question. Well, we don't know which he's going to 
do. But if he's tried as a minor, I mean, I'm just thinking of <laughs> law and order here, but wouldn't that go to family court? Like automatically family court? So he was offered these two plea deals that he actually denied. And you're going to see very quickly that things were not handled correctly by any means. But because of this, there has been a lot of changes with how this process works, um, which is a positive thing, but that definitely didn't apply here. Gotcha. Okay. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'm sure when he looks back at these decisions now, he would have chosen differently. But before I get into why he declined both of them, I would like to hear what you think, Brianna, on why you think he decided to do that. I mean, I guess it would depend on, you know, I know he's maybe not from the best of households money-wise, but maybe his public defender was saying, no, since you're a minor, you know, they're going to feel bad for you and, you know, give you 10 years or probation or I guess maybe that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, no, that's right there. I would have agree with you on that as well but it really gets down to the fact that he was a child when he was making these decisions and he really didn't understand to the full extent what he was facing and the severity of it all by any means exactly bobby also stated in an article that he was advised not to by his stepfather and his biological father who were both in prison at the time Mm. so i think that kind of sets the tone of he's taking advice from people who have already walked the walk of this Mm -hmm. so i think that carries a lot more weight plus he's young he's not being advised correctly and you would think with the crimes that he did have although it was it was all over the place it was it was getting pretty aggressive but no one was fatally injured or died yeah now i'm curious was he charged for like attempted murder or assault we'll get to the charges and okay (laughs) sorry jumping the gun because there's a lot of them oh yes okay bobby also thought he would have a much better time with the jury but he was very wrong he was found guilty of 17 counts after finding this out his lawyer advised him to write a letter to the judge before sentencing And in total, he wrote four. And it was stated that his mom also wrote a letter to the judge as well. And the judge made a comment. Basically, it was one of the most beautiful letters she had ever read. But it didn't carry any weight to what she was about to do. What are these 17 counts? So I know you're not going to read off all of them. Yeah, but but the gist, it was robbery, kidnapping, aggravated assault. Wait, did they kidnap? So that woman. I know they grabbed the woman, but they they didn't take her. So they put her in the backseat, robbed her, then took her out and left. So the initial taking was considered kidnapping. I see. And then also carjacking. So really a lot of those were held under different things under those big chunk of genres, I guess you would say. Yeah. Yeah. The judge, Evelyn Baker, then sentenced him to... 241 years i'm sure you're wondering how that could even happen yeah because excuse me what he's what 16 17 16 241 years that seems like 
Oh God, what is the constitution? You can't have cruel and unusual punishments. That is way crazy. I've seen murders, mm-hmm. legit murders with dismemberment get a lot less time than 241 years. Yeah, and um, it's actually funny that you brought up the cruel and unusual punishment because I was in a BBC article like researching this case and one of the top things under this case was why are U.S. jail sentences so long? Yeah. And it's like, I don't even know how a judge could say 241 years out of their mouth. Well, that's, and that's even like making a point. It's not just saying life in prison. That's saying two lives plus some. Yeah. (laughs) That's way, That's unnecessary. Yeah. Very unnecessary. Well, the reason this happened was because Judge Evelyn Baker chose to have Bobby serve his time consecutively rather than concurrently. Meaning, after each sentence, the next sentence would start instead of having them all run at the same time. So, for example, if you had two three-year sentences and the judge decided you could serve them concurrently, that would mean you would serve your three years both at the same time because the clock Mm. would start at the same time. But on the other hand, if they said consecutively, you would serve a total of six years because your three years for your second sentence wouldn't start till the three years of your first sentence ended. I see. Okay, yeah, I always get confused by those, but that made perfect sense. So she's basically adding them all up, and then once the sentence for kidnapping ends, then the sentence for armed robbery Exactly. Would okay. So take all 17 counts that he received. He would not be able to start the second one until the first one was completed, through 17 times my god so that's how it got to 241 years but did she give a reason as to why she did this because that doesn't seem like the normal thing to do so this is where the judge gets me really worked up here's a quote from the washington post that judge evelyn baker said to bobby before she sentenced him Bryn, do you mind reading it to our listeners? Because if I do, I will throw up. Sure. Quote, you are the biggest fool who has ever stood in front of this court. You made your choice. You're going to have to live with your choice and you're going to die with your choice. Your mandatory date to go in front of the parole board will be the year of 2201. Nobody in this room is going to be alive in the year 2201. Yeah, so I'm going to let you process that she said that. End quote. <laughs> to a 16-year-old child. Uh, like, lit- and also, like, you're going to die with your choice. Like, I understand I'm not condoning violent behavior. I really am not. But again, I don't see how It this- doesn't add up. Yeah. Like, it does not add up. Like, I, uh, oh my god. That is, and this is the judge? Yeah. She judged for a TV show? <laughs> she must have gotten her degree in an acting class because I don't... Online? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't... That is so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just do not comprehend how you sentence a 16-year-old child, again, I will reiterate, a 16-year-old child, to 241 years when we see murderers walk for less than an eighth of his time. Yeah. And yes, murders. I did the math, girl. And an eighth of his time 
is still 30 years. Oh my god. An eighth of it. Yeah, and I mean, still 30 years is a long time, especially for juveniles. And I know we covered this briefly, but there's still so much to uncover, especially with violent crimes and juveniles. It is a different ball field because, like you asked me, if I made a decision when I was 16 and had to live with it, like again, I'm a completely different person now. So I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. And I'll get there a little later in the episode of talking about what the judge is saying now that she's retired and wants to kind of resolve some of the issues. Oh, now she's sorry. Exactly. But that's just, like you said, a 16-year-old child is not going to comprehend the same if you put them in jail for 30 years, they're going to come out a completely different person. So what year was this again, the crime? So it happened in 1995. Okay, so he's already served almost... <laughs> I can't do math. 10 years? Almost 10 years? Wait, I'm 93. I was born in 93. Okay, so almost 30 years. Yeah. So if he so took the that's original, still a good amount of time. Yeah, no, that's still a very long time. And if he took the original plea deal, he would probably either be out already because you know, like good behavior, things like that, or he'd be very close. But to the his- thing is, you don't have to take a plea deal. Exactly. No, and you don't. Why? Okay, so also another question. Now that I'm thinking about it, so he had the two choices that he declined, right? Mm-hmm. Either to go in front of the judge or the jury. He declined both. So who made the decision that it would just be the judge and not a jury? So she didn't, so that gets a little confusing. So good thing you brought it up. She did not decide his sentencing, but she did decide for him to serve them consecutively. So that's why it ended up being so who decided the sentence then i i'm not sure how the sentence came up i don't know if they have like a standard like if you are accused Mm. of this crime you get this many years Mm -hmm. but that's why it added that many years to it because it was all consecutively as well but i guess i don't understand i would think that a jury would be a default you know like if he didn't he declined both you know, options, Mm -hmm. then you would think the jury of your peers. The mercy one is like, you're pleading guilty, so you're guilty no matter what, and the judge is just depending on your time, where Mm -hmm. he went to the jury, and they were going to decide what he was guilty and what he was not guilty of, Mm -hmm. and then do his sentencing from there, and then the judge after that decided, you're serving these all back to back to back. Gotcha. So he was found guilty from a jury. Yes. I see. Okay, I understand Yes, now. yes. But also, I want to go back to how disgusting that quote you read was. Because, like, I... And I know I don't know what Bobby said in his letters. I don't know if we have access to those, but I didn't read them before. Mm-hmm. Um, if we had did have access. But he did admit in his writings and in some articles later that he did not use the letters appropriately in a sense that it was more of a platform for him to complain about what was going on with the trial and kind of how he was treated during the process. And he said that he really did sound like a child that did not know what was happening or to the extent of his actions. But, but that just on. proves it's- that he's a child. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it just gets more and more frustrating and as 
Bobby has been in prison. He really has been like a model inmate, and like he's the person that like makes me believe in reform again, <laughs> because he has really completely changed his whole life and really gone above and beyond. But he still will admit like, "Hey, I didn't use those appropriately, so maybe that's why." Instead of like. Like us, where we're like, what is wrong with you? So it's just crazy, and it speaks a lot on his character, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Now, despite Bobby's attempts at multiple appeals, they have all been denied. Even when the Supreme Court ruling about minor sentence to life in prison in 2010, 2012, and 2016, Bobby still sits behind bars. Judge Evelyn Baker has since retired and spoken out on Bobby Bostick's case. She was quoted in a Missouri Net article stating, If I knew what I knew now, I would never have sentenced that child to 241 years. I did not know it then, but I do know it now. And it's my duty to try and rectify a wrong, end quote. Although her statement does not hold much weight in my eyes because she's speaking out after retirement, her actions have shed a bit of light on Bobby's case and support for him. So I will give her that because this case has had recent articles up to like 2021, Mm. like this year on it and kind of shedding light. And I think that's really important for trying to advocate for him or at least advocate where the system is wrong. Although we would not need to have done this if she would have used her power appropriately and done the right thing the first time, she was stated in an article with the Washington Post, she punished him for more than just what he did, but also his immaturity. But I'm sorry, he's an immature child, but who am I? Yeah, I feel like that's not the way to sentence. I mean, I guess you can really do whatever you want as a judge, But also, question, when she said, oh, like, I'm sorry, I didn't know it then, what I know now, what did she mean by that? Like, what did she not know? Or in the court of law, you should have all the facts in front of you. Yeah, so great question. There was a recent case in 2010 that brought to light that children's brain were not functioning or processing things at the same level as an adult. But to my point of that, it's like, these are why we have laws in place for children, right? Like, you can't be five years old and buy cigarettes or join the military. And the practice of children not processing things, I mean, maybe not scientifically, but, I mean, that's not new news (laughs) is what I'm just trying to say. Yeah, I would think you would know that as someone who's deciding somebody's rest of their life. You would have... Some sort of idea, not even like a scientist telling you that, but some sort of idea of like, hey, like when I was a child or when I was 16, I did some dumb things, you know? And I feel like to me, if you were man enough that day to say, you know what, over 200 years is, is an appropriate sentence for you. 20 years later when you're retired and cannot do anything about it, I I just don't understand that mentality because you obviously didn't care enough while you still had a career and a platform and that's her choice but it's just kind of frustrating on the other end to say like that's a cop out to me like you did know that wasn't appropriate by any means no one would have ever said you go girl that was a great choice yeah so I just don't get it I mean the deeper I got into this the more frustrated I got at this woman and it just 
it made me very upset. And it's not like she can reverse this sentence of what she's done, right? Exactly. So now it's just like, oh, yeah. It's out of my hands. (laughs) It's out of my hands. I'm retired. And also, that was not a good choice on my part. (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So today, Bobby wakes up at... 4.45 every morning to start his day from his prison cell and heads to bed at 10 p.m. back to his prison cell. But despite where he is planted, he reaps to sow a life that brings meaning to others. Education has helped guide Bobby to the state of mind he is in now. He loves to read, and if he can't find it in the prison library, he asks his family to purchase it for him. While in prison, he has completed his GED, obtained his paralegal diploma, has an associate's degree in science, and has written 13 books within the nonfiction and poetry genres. He has also taken over 25 rehabilitation classes, and the work he is most humble about is the letters that he has written to each of his victims. Wow, that just gave me the chills. Like, it's so amazing still because I feel like even I, if I was stuck in prison, you know, for something. If I was in that same situation, I'd be like, what's the point, you know? Mm -hmm. Why am I going to try and rehabilitate myself if I'm literally going to die here? Mm -hmm. So just to know that he's actually doing something with his life, that really shows something. Oh, and I know my little bad 16-year-old self would have been like, okay, you want to play? I'm going to make everybody's life (laughs) miserable because you want to play rat. Yeah, (laughs) so... Like, to me, I think that's the most frustrating is to see his his transformation. And I've read some of his poetry. It's beautiful. His writing is great. I'm definitely hitting up his Amazon books after this. Wait. Yes. You're saying I can buy his books? <laughs> yes. Wait, so if it's on Amazon, though, does he get any funding for this? So no, I like was trying to dabble in... One of the things that if you like look up his stuff, one of the things that will pop up right away is his net worth. But I do know you can't really make money, money while you're prison. in prison. So I'm wondering where that is going or if that's like funneled to a foundation. But I mean, it was quite a significant amount. So I'm wondering like one, if it's legitimate information yeah. too. And then also like if that is, I wonder if that's helping push to get him out and advocate for him because if it is by all means go buy all the amazon books go do all of that i mean because just a little sample i took of his life is really so touching and how he's where he started to where he's ended is a complete 180 360 whatever you want to say yeah it makes me think about though and it makes me sad like could you imagine if he was just born in a different city you know Mm -hmm. if he was born a different color if he was born anything differently he would have had this education at the very beginning and I can't even imagine like who he would be now if this is the person that he is in prison Mm -hmm. who he would have been and what he would have done for the world or for the community if everything would have been different from the beginning No, I definitely agree. And I know while he's been in prison, he's been a big advocate for nonprofits for children in underprivileged neighborhoods and things like that. So it really does. It's like, you never know 
what he could have done, but at least he is doing great work in a very negative situation that he probably shouldn't be in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I hope to see that he can get out. Are you going to tell me there's petitions and there's protests that I can attend? So there is actually a petition for Bobby Bostick on change.org that I will link in our description box below. But if you have taken the last 30 minutes to listen to this full episode, then I think you can definitely take five seconds to click and sign that petition, especially when we already have it linked down there for you. So I'm going to sign it right now. (laughs) Yes. And I feel like if you are moved by his story and want to make an impact like he has made an impact in so many others, I would sign the petition, share it, link it, and do as much as you can because he really does. The only way this is going to change is if we keep bringing up his name, bringing up his story, and sharing why this is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there's a person out there that would agree to his sentence. Like, show me one person that would say, no, he deserves 245 (laughs) years for shooting a man in the arm. And he's very sorry about it. And if you are, please come speak to us. (laughs) I'd like to have, I just want to have some words with you. Yes. The system really got it wrong with Bobby. There is no doubting that or the crimes that he committed, but the punishment was grossly inappropriate for a child, and I hope his story continues to push for change and ultimately his release from prison. And with that, we conclude this episode. We would love to hear your feedback on this story. Leave us a comment or review. If you have a case suggestion, just like this one, reach out to us through our website, logostories.net. You can also check out all our source material for this episode while you're there and sign the petition. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Stories. We will be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. So until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound, Nightmare, for our theme music.